this week on Invasion of the Podcast, Porgs. Dog Will Hunt is Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, a cut above. And we play a round of Would You Rather. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. It's the invasion of the podcast. And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we're trying to take over the world one listener at a time. I am uh, Paul. Um, it's all about the meat, Stedman. And, <laughs> and to my left, it's, uh, I'm sure, it's Steve Lefty King. I don't know. I got, uh, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, Steve, I throw down $1,000, $100 bills, and take three chainsaws with me, <laughs> King. Yeah. Um, so th- thank you, Steve, for coming on the show uh, in our in our spooky October of watching horror films. It seems appropriate to have the person who who is the creator co creator of the science slasher to be on talking about some Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to be here, and uh, thanks for having me. Um, the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Once we get into the meat of it, uh, no pun intended. Um, I think is going to be a fun discussion. So yeah, it's. Um, uh, it's it stick around people uh, it's i would not argue i would argue it's not a slasher film i don't i don't know what kind of film it is but it, it is something so but yeah we'll get to that so, here soon um just to mention also uh like i had a birthday and then steve had a birthday like before my birthday which is weird because I, I i knew that your birthday was the day before <laughs> mine but i forgot again i don't know why i forgot so again happy birthday oh thank Jeff. you yeah so and happy birthday to you yeah your yours is the ninth uh, eighth, but that's okay. Eighth, if, eighth that's right. shoot. If anyone like, wants to get me belated gifts, yours is the eighth, and then my my friend uh, Rich is the ninth. Mine's and my friend Jason's is the sixth. So I can't ever get. <laughs> and mine's the tenth, and then another buddy of mine's is tomorrow on the twelfth. It's 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 interesting it's to have like month. almost yeah. So so like so you and I are both a day apart from Scott Bakula's birthday, which is the ninth, and that's a bummer that I could not have. Scott Bakula's birthday. Hey, I got uh, I got Sigourney Weaver. So really, yeah, I got David Lee Roth. Uh, <laughs> also, the ninth was John Lennon. So one day off from John Lennon to David Lee Roth. I got him. <laughs> I got Mario Lopez. So AC Slater, um, Ed Wood also is on nice. my birthday. I'd take uh, Ed Wood. Charles Dance, uh, which you know from Game of Thrones and everything else. Like, yeah. there, there's some pretty cool people, you know. But I got AC Slater, so I'm, I'm happy about that. I got uh, Chevy Chase. Nice. That's yeah. There you go. I, I think Chevy Chase is going to be for top, top, tops everything. So and uh, Matt Damon, I believe. Matt Damon. Yes. I like it. So anyway, birthdays happened. Uh, there, there was you know liquor and singing. So that's enough about that. Um, no, I'm, no, stick around. It's going to be the next half hour where we talk about our birthdays. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, the, what? So here, here's the admission though is that I it was you know we were out Saturday and you know out late and I'm just like I can't drink too much, I can't drink too much because I knew because uh, I've been watching these westerns for a year, the western that I knew if I was hungover on Sunday, there's no way in hell I was going to be watching a two and a half hour <laughs> John Wayne western because I just felt like that would have been the most miserable like feeling. So I came out of it okay, and you know and and. I watched Rio Bravo. It's up on the blog. Uh, I like the movie a great deal, but I don't know how I would have felt about it being hungover. 
Um, and one of the characters is a drunk that's hung over half of the movie. So maybe, maybe would've I would have appropriate. Pre- yeah, but yeah. Anyway, so enough about that. Um, also, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. There's actually something I did this weekend that ties to some of our news. So let's just get to the news. Good news, everyone. Good news. Uh, there's a Star Wars thing that happened. Uh, people were talking about it. It's pretty exciting. Uh, new trailer. The, I guess the final trailer is what they're calling it. Yeah, which annoys me, but because uh, <laughs> the first trailer is not really a trailer; it's a teaser. And I'm not saying that I absolutely need another trailer, but I just assumed that we would at least get something else before the movie came out. You probably will. You'll like because there'll be like the international trailers that's going to have probably a little bit more or something, you know. And I complain, but I'm also the guy who's like, I don't want any spoilers, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even whenever you have the director of the film on Twitter saying, do not watch this trailer yeah. because you'll, you'll get things spoiled for you. And then immediately the, the moment the trailer came out, Ryan Johnson's like, just, just watch it. It's amazing. <laughs> like, so I like that. He's like, don't do it. Don't do it. But just do it, please. And, um, I, I, this one, this is the movie and I, we've talked about before here on the show. This is the one that I've been waiting for. And seven, just because you wanted to make sure that they knew how to handle the property. And I feel like that was a safe movie. This is the one I'm looking forward to. There is some stuff in the trailer. It is just a trailer, but it, it shows me that we're getting, hopefully we're getting a lot more like good bad guy stuff. You know, like that's what I want to see. Uh, the AT-ATs or whatever they're called, they look like they're like angry gorillas, like silverbacks walking, like with yeah. the way that they have the, the front knuckles or whatever, kind of badass looking, um, whatever planet they're on, which I'm sure you already know what planet it is. I believe it's Crate. Yeah. I th- it, but I think they spell it, they're spelling it differently than it is in the lore, I think. Something like that. Something weird. To, to throw people off, you know, <laughs> where, where, where all the dragon bones are, where you get all the the the, uh, oh, the, yeah. the, the, the gems for lightsabers, right? Is I, that? I think that uh, it was like crate was K R A Y T, and I think in this it's C R A I T. So. Yeah, just to throw yeah. you off, guys, but not all the red dust that gets kicked up whenever everything hits the ground. It's just a cool looking trailer, and yeah. um, I. It, I don't know. Like, I, I guess you're you're more of the Star Wars fan than than I I am. That did it satisfy you till December, or is there? Do you feel like it gave you too much in terms of story? So I was worried that it would give me too much. My initial reaction was, uh, so just to backtrack, the teaser that was released back in April at Celebration to me, it was okay, but there was no no moment that rivaled like a Chewy were home moment or gave me like ooh chills. Um, it was interesting and it certainly was, and I, you know, maybe it was intentional. It was more of a head scratcher than a cheering moment for that trailer. But for this one, I thought, all right, this is the trailer where I get at least something. And again, I think I've discussed this on the show before. I'm a huge Luke Skywalker fan. So I'm like, all right, this is the trailer where I'm going to get him, you know, words, the, well, (laughs) him saying words, but also, you know, maybe the last shot will be like the flickering of the green lightsaber from Return of the Jedi or him doing force lightning or or something badass, you know? Um, and I didn't get that. And after thinking about it for a while, I realized, well, maybe it's good to not get what you think you want. Um, and I think fans a lot of times forget that anyways, not just Star Wars fans, but in general all the time. Um, but I was happy with the trailer. I am, I, 
so I don't want to get too into like the very last shot because it's been analyzed to death on the internet as of it is. Of course it has. But I, I do feel like that's a misdirect. I feel it like it's to two separate scenes that are just spliced together. Uh, and, you know, people complained about the Rogue One trailers because it was like, oh, there's a ton of stuff in those trailers that didn't appear in the movie. But you knew what you were getting with that movie. And I don't feel like, I feel like if that doesn't happen in the movie, I feel like that trailer is made more to manipulate you than to actually excite you for the movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm excited for it. Um, I'm really interested to see where Ryan Johnson takes the, the movie, um, particularly in the sense that, uh, you know, it's... I don't know how to put it. Um, the, the the groundwork has, has been laid, you know. Everybody's back on board. So yeah. he doesn't have to do really... I mean, he does have to do some cleanup, particularly with Luke. He's got to explain, you know, what's been going on with him for the last 30 years and what happened, uh, you know, and we do get a shot of it. Uh, it looks like him coming out of the rubble um, from the attack, uh, I'm assuming, by Kylo Ren uh, when he t- took out the Jedi. But, you know... I, I'm just excited to get into the meat of the movie, and I know that it's going to end on a cliffhanger already. There's yeah, no way this true. movie doesn't end on a cliffhanger. As much as I keep saying that I don't want this to be the, their version of, of Empire, in terms of, you already know it's a trilogy, you already know it's Darkest Before the Dawn, so somewhere along the line, there has to be an Empire Strikes Back moment, and that's not just for Star Wars, that's of any, like, oh, it's three movies, okay, sure, let's see what happens here, you know? Like, you know, John Wick 2 ends on a, like, a, oh, well, that's not great moment. So you just it is what it is, right? I just don't need it to, I just don't need the exact same thing. I don't need to have, I don't need, like, Poe Dameron to be like, oh, well, it's not Carbonite, but he's not moving. Like, I don't need, you know, I don't yeah. need all that. I don't need, um, I don't need a Cloud City. I don't need a betrayal like that. Just give me, so I don't know. I just, I, I understand that there's stories that we love, and we love them for a reason, and they follow all a similar arc. Just give me something where I can look at this and be like, I love Empire. It's my favorite of the Star Wars movies. But this one is different enough, you yeah. know? Like, Well, I think, you know, when it comes to also the idea of Rey going dark, I think that is the one thing that I am i don't want to happen. But at the same time, I feel like it might be for the best if she does. Just because, and I don't want to get into prequel bashing here, but um, the prequels, my, one of my biggest problems with it is, is that you don't care about anakin by the time he turns like you're never as invested in him as you were any other character in the original trilogy and i'm invested in ray like i'm on board for ray i want to see where her story goes and if she turns it's going to be heartbreaking well and to be fair though uh, so to play uh, devil's advocate with that my problem with the prequels is that if you're telling the story of like anakin's fall you already know he's becoming Vader, so every decision decision he makes already has the weight of like, is this what does it? And it's like, but it also kind of saps any type of like, it just you don't care in terms. Of, you know he's going there eventually, and with Ray, ultimately because you don't know what's happening, you get to be more hopeful about the outcome because it's not this isn't her prequel story. I mean, I guess in a way it is because if it later on they do sequels, this would be her prequel, but we don't know that, you know. So I I, I don't know I just. You see the full-on Disney marketing machine in this. Oh, yeah. That's why I said Porgs. (laughs) People are divided about Porgs. I think Porgs are hilarious looking. I'm sure I'll be sick of them, but I love BB-8, so bring on Porgs. It's like whatever you want to call it, a gopher penguin. I don't know what you call that thing. Yeah. It's something. It's cute. A puffin. A puffin. Yeah. Yeah. That that Luke Skywalker's been eating in bulk (laughs) on that island, as per your theory, which I like. Yeah. 
but man's got to eat. Man's got to eat. But I, I also feel like with with more with more recent trailers, because the way we consume media and how short attention span we are, the trailer has to tell a story, even if it doesn't fit the movie. It has to leave you to a point like mm-hmm. where, and I say that because watching these trailers for these older westerns. There's no cohesion. It just shows you scenes from the movie. And it's like, here you go. Here's John Wayne talking to somebody. Next thing you know, it's someone shooting somebody unrelated. Like, there's no connection to, within the trailer. And I and I feel like some of these bigger budget ones kind of want to lead you through a little bit. Like, even like Thor Ragnarok. Like, you get the idea of what's going on with all that. And you yeah. get excited for it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a good trailer. It's a, it's a really good trailer. Um, I'm glad that it's not exactly scene for scene matched up like when they did the the teaser, how yeah. it matched up to the teaser to the Force Awakens. I'm glad that hopefully no one's matched that up yet. That'd be terrible. But I mean, I guess the other reason that I, I do want another trailer is is that we still have not seen any of Benicio del Toro. Uh, we barely saw any of the character Rose. And oh yeah, I forgot about her. She's yeah. supposed to be a big part of that. Yeah, maybe that's the misdirect. Yeah, you know, maybe that's the part that maybe they know that she's going to be the one that comes out swinging that everybody loves. So keep her under wraps. Maybe that's the big thing. And if that's if that's the case, that's a smart move. And and I I won't go on too much longer about this. But the other thing that I did want to mention, and it didn't strike me until we just before we started the show, we watched it again just to have it in our heads. Um, the shot with Kylo and Leia where he's approaching in the Starfighter, it's clear that at least in the trailer that he's got her. Yeah, it's implied that he's got her in his sights. I can't help but wonder, knowing that it's Carrie Fisher's last movie uh, because she tragically passed, if that's playing on her sympathies for her having passed and not so much the movie and that really bothered me once I stopped to think about it. Cause I, I kind of agree with you. Cause it's like, she has this look of like, unexp- like what's going to happen next. And it's like, you don't go putting her in the trailer. Cause you know, this is her last film. And it's like, you just want to, I don't, it, you're, I feel like they're kind of, and maybe, maybe it's a swerve. I hope it's a swerve. Yeah. Um, I just, you're right. I agree. It, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. But overall, excited for the movie. Yeah, and Porgs. So there you go. So uh, next story about a franchise that didn't make as much money as Star Wars. Uh, over the weekend, Blade Runner 2049 came out, and it won the box office, but with just $31 million over the, the three-day weekend and counting Thursday previews. So you're talking about Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? So it um, it won the weekend not by much, and it was well below projected uh, amounts. And the movie itself cost about $150 million to make, and another 100 was spent on advertising. Um, I saw the film. I liked it. Uh, hopefully I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil anything because if you guys really want to watch Blade Runner, then go into it without any idea what's going to happen. It, that, cause I was given that opportunity. I'm not going to take it away from somebody else because it's, it's a beautiful film. Like I'm visually amazing. The music's like amazing. See it in the theater. What's real loud. That's the other thing about star Wars too. You got to see it when it's loud. Like yeah. I feel like that makes it epic. Um, this, the, I'll just say this, it's Blade Runner is not an action movie, but then again, um, it, the first one wasn't either, you know, there was action moments, but it wasn't an action film. And so this is an R rated movie, like a sequel made 35 years later from one that didn't do well financially at, at all the first time around. And it's not performing according to what people were projecting. My point to this is what did they think they're going to get? Like, Blade Runner at the time cost a lot, you know, a fair amount of money, didn't make its money back, took 30 years to become like this big ingrained, like, you know, cult classic in releasing a movie that is, um, in almost every way, like it's, it's, um, if it's not 
it's you know the same but superior in terms of sound and quality and everything and it doesn't like make gangbusters it's like what were you i don't know it's like were you expecting suddenly like the the an 18 year old be all excited to go watch blade runner i don't i don't know about that like that's this is not this is not a remake this isn't jurassic world you know i so i don't know what the studios were expecting was going to happen like suddenly people would wake up and be like you know what i do want to see nuanced sci-fi that's r-rated here's my money <laughs> you know like, and i don't know what they're expecting well, my whole thing, and I have not seen the movie yet, um, and on the off chance my wife listens to this, uh, Deckard's a human. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that. I'm just making we, that up. I was going to say, um, I, I don't know. Like that's, <laughs> I just keep telling her that, and she gets mad. Um, no, uh, the thing that really struck me about them doing a, 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 a sequel to blade runner and and this is the guy who's like i'll see any star wars movie um (laughs) i i really was like do we need another blade runner and you know the the uh reviews have been fantastic so you know i can't argue that point of it um and i'll see it i'm i'm certainly interested in seeing it i just it's not one of those movies where i was ever like you know what needs a sequel blade runner well i would argue because since that first movie isn't perfect and it took how many years to get that final cut put together which is the best representation of that film um that i love something about like 1984 future dystopia is like i love it i i just something maybe it's because that's what i grew up watching like i love the idea that blade runner now takes place the actual original movie takes place in uh 2018 Mm -hmm. so like you watch that movie now you're like oh we're like six months away from blade runner it's not going to happen but with this it's like it also like escape from new york that took place in 1996 a very weird 1996 i love i love 80s future and with this this movie scratched all those itches and I feel like the world was big enough that you could tell a different story in this universe. And this is a different story. So I feel like it's a really big playground that if someone comes along with the right idea, like why not? Like it didn't necessarily make a sequel, but there was enough fertile ground there. As long as someone didn't say, well, we need a blade runners to hunt down replicants again. Like I would have been really bummed out if it was just like, five more replicants, you know, and, and whatever. And then Harrison Ford running around punching people. That's, I didn't need, I didn't need that. This is different. I need to watch it again to kind of put the pieces together. It's not a hard story to follow. I just, I don't know about the story. And I'm like the, everyone else I've talked to about this movie that's seen it has loved it. And I'm just like, yeah, it was pretty good. And this is like my wheelhouse. I don't yeah. know how I feel about it, but the fact is it's going to make its money eventually. I don't know if it's going to warrant another sequel, maybe in 30 years, but I just don't know what the expectations were. Kind of like how, um, like Tron was like visually ahead of its time, a weird concept and didn't do well and grew into being like a fan favorite. And then Tron legacy comes out and it didn't do amazingly well. Like it's not as much as Disney wanted there, that, but that movie, the story in that isn't the best either, but it's visually amazing and ahead of its time. And I feel like that's a proper sequel to Tron, but people don't want to hear that. I feel like this is a proper sequel to Blade Runner. It's, it's, it, what else were you expecting? That's all. Well, that's the, you know, I mean, that's the thing that, you know, I find interesting. And I, I hope, certainly hope that I didn't anger any, you know, Blade Runner fans I, who are like, I've been asking for a sequel since I started a writing campaign in 1985. But um, my whole thing is, is that like. I bought every Atari game hoping that they'd stick around. <laughs> the, uh, you just mentioned, you know, there's a ridiculous amount of cuts for that movie. There's what, like five different cuts for Something the original. Like that, yeah. yeah. Um, 
there's a movie that like no matter who you talk to about Blade Runner, I've yet to have a discussion with somebody who's like, oh, it's it, it's my favorite movie or it's this version is the movie that you know I love or. I, I guess I don't I don't see that passion that I see for other franchises. You know, your Star Wars, your Indiana Jones, even your Star Treks, uh, or as I like to call it, my Star Treks. Um, <laughs> but, but but this is the but there was only one of them. I think that's the big thing is that, and this is one of my favorite, like Blade Runner, the original Blade Runner, you know, is one of my favorite movies. Like in terms of like, I I could never have like a top five. I feel like they always kind of rotate out depending upon mood. But it's one of my favorite movies. I I got when they did a midnight showing at the the Capitol like two years ago i had to take mary and be like you, you she'd never seen it i'm like we're gonna go watch this in the theater and and it's just it's a really cool experience and just knowing that what they pulled off in like 82 i think it's when the movie actually came out and the soundtrack and just everything about it's so awesome and it's one of those few times where i will i will forgive the story because the world is so big yeah you know because I'm usually much more big <laughs> the stickler on story, so I, it is it is one of my favorite movies. But it, you're right. You, this, since there was nothing else ever brought to it, and it was a, kind of a box office failure, and it was you know not really ever no one ever agreed on a vision of it. It never got a chance to do anything else. You know, like at least with um at least with Star Wars, like Lucas had control and was like, I'll get to him eventually. Yeah. So you knew there's always the potential. And with Indiana Jones, you at least got three of them in relatively short amount of time. Yeah, you know, so about eight years. Yeah, so I I don't know. This is this is one of those oddballs, kind of like you know, I, I can't think of another movie from that time that you'd make a sequel, like, like maybe E.T. or something. People might like you know, but that movie made box office crazy when it came out. Yeah, you know, I mean, the thing too is, is that uh, you know, it is as I get older, it's hard for me to put into perspective. You know, that this movie came out. Uh, was it 82? I think so. Yeah. So, you know, in 1982, I was, um, I was eight. And, uh, you know, looking at it now, you know, for me, 35 years ago, it's, it's still sort of like, oh, it's, it's still a popular movie that came out, you know, or not even a popular movie, but it was a movie that was part of my childhood that, for me, is not that long ago <laughs> in my brain. But, you, you know, you make a good point about, you know, the 18-year-old kid who's like, all right, this movie's 17 year, This movie was 17 years old when I was born, and maybe they're not seeing it or they don't have a connection to it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I also wonder, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, was it six or seven years ago when Scott Pilgrim vs. the World came out? Yeah. I loved that movie, and the hype for that movie was huge. And it just didn't do anything in the box office. And it it just kind of died, which is unfortunate because it's a fantastic movie. But, you know, I don't know if it was that they just didn't know who they were marketing to, if it was the fact that, like, with Blade Runner at least, that they just overshot on their budget. Like, I, in a world where they're trying to save where they can on movies... I can't believe that nobody was like, yeah, maybe there's a way for us to pull back a little bit financially well, so yeah. it's not such a risk. I think what's going to save this movie, there's two things. One, uh, it is still doing incredibly well, so both are under Warner Brothers. Yeah. Which I found out, though, the weird thing about 2049 is that the overseas box office is actually being held by Sony. It must have been some kind of weird rights deal from the original film, but Warner Brothers has the U.S. distribution of it. So it's making gangbusters right now. So they're okay. They, it's, it is overperforming so much that this won't be as bad 
Um, and it will make enough money overseas. It hasn't even released in Japan yet. So I think it's there. They are much more eager to watch movies that have sci-fi themes and beautiful visuals versus like, like, cause the transformers movies do crazy over there. So like they, they know they're going to get their money from this. It's just, it may not like make a huge profit, but I also feel like at awards times come around like cinematography, music, like director, that's when you're going to, maybe this movie will start getting some actual awards buzz and then maybe there's people that are on the fence about it will come to it because there's people that will tend to hold off on movies until they get like a nod for some reason and they want to go watch all the movies nominated for best picture. So I don't know. I just, I just don't know what Warner Bros. was expecting for a movie that didn't do well the first time to be like, you know what? We're going to make quadruple what we put into this movie, you know? Well, you know, and, um, this just popped in my head when you mentioned this earlier about, oh, I don't know what movie from 30 years ago you would make a sequel to that, like, I feel like, um, you know, the one that popped in my head was Goonies. Like, if you made a Goonies 2 today, I'm sure that people would be like, oh, that movie would make bank. But again, I'd go see it, but I don't know necessarily that that movie is going to, you know, resonate with anyone who's under 35 or 30. Yeah, and like, that movie didn't do that well either at the no. box office. And like, what would you do? Like have like all the adults come back and then they get separated from some kids that are happen to be just like them, but younger. I don't know. Like, how do you, yeah. uh, I, you're right. That's when. So I think that overall people bank a lot on nostalgia, but sometimes when it comes to cult there, there is a love of it. That's not nostalgic. You know, and I don't know how to, I think sometimes there's a difference there where like, um, I think there's people that do enjoy Blade Runner a lot and people know the name, but I wouldn't necessarily think this is one that like a lot of people have seen unless they actively want to see Ridley Scott films or sci-fi, you right. know, versus Star Wars or Star Trek that there's so much of it and it's way more approachable. Yeah. You know, so anyway, it's, it's a good movie. Go see it. And if you do, I want to talk to you about it because I have questions. That's all I'll say about that. Um, all right. And then speaking of other franchises that, you know, just, I don't know, they keep coming back. Uh, <laughs> so John Carpenter is producing a new Halloween reboot. That's um, him. Uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green are going to be like the ones making it. And uh, Carpenter's overseeing it. And then I guess the other rumor is that he's going to be doing the music for it, which that's awesome. I yeah. think that's great. They, they basically said that this new Halloween movie, which has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, um, you know, and she's just going to be shilling Activia all the entire time. Um, she is going to be Laurie Strode still, but it's going to ignore all the other Halloween movies, even number two, to my understanding, which she was in that one, right? I mean, yes, it's been a long time since I saw two. So why why would you? I, I just they say it's going to exist in its own reality and it's going to be great. I mean, for a, for a series that's kind of went a couple of different directions, and we're going to be talking about Halloween three here in a couple of weeks, and that's the most different direction. Um, I just I don't know how I feel about this. I guess if Carpenter's okay with it, I guess it's not a bad thing. So here here's the the thing about it being an alternate universe or reality, whatever uh, the terminology it was that he used. All right, if you look at the Halloween franchise, and I'm going to step back to two real quick. He wrote two. He didn't direct two. Um, and one of the big things that I think they're going to pull back on is the Lori and Michael being brother and sister is that's always been something that he's regretted. Mm -hmm. Um, so that may be why they're ignoring too. 
I just um, like to think that like that there's that bit what was it um after after resurrection was what was it um was it H2O no H2O then resurrection right yes. I want to believe that in resurrection like there's a moment like when she gets her head just chopped off that it's her brain death that's where this movie exists like like as she's her head's just falling there's this whole other thing going on where she's just like slowly slipping out of consciousness and there's another Halloween movie that's all in her head before it hits the ground that's what I want to believe like an inception Halloween movie um, probably not going to happen. Well, when it comes to comes to the idea that this takes place in an alternate reality, one, I, you know, I hear fans getting upset about it, um, and I will say that Halloween of the um, horror franchises is probably my favorite. Doesn't mean that it's always got the best movies. Um, I think per ratio, that's probably Friday the Thirteenth, but um, that's also there's like. Four more movies in, in that um, yeah that, that franchise, so they have a better odds. But Halloween but, has Paul Rudd, and yes. Friday Thirteenth does not. <laughs> but when you look at the series overall, so there's one and two, and then three goes its own way, and then like, oh, that didn't work. Let's go and bring Michael back for four, uh, and then four, five, and six kind of make their own little trilogy. Even though five is, in my opinion, five is the worst Halloween movie. <laughs> um, it doesn't is it the curse of Michael Myers. Uh, it is the there's the uh, no the curse is six. Oh okay. Um, it's the, I believe the revenge of Michael Myers. Okay. It's so like, four this, is the return. All sound the same. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Four is the return. Five is the revenge, and then six is the curse. So those three kind of make up a trilogy, even though five and six aren't that great. I will say, if you have the Halloween box set, the producer's cut of Halloween 6 is a far better film than the theatrical version. Hmm. Um, but then they came up with this idea, like, oh, we're going to do H2O, we're going to bring back Jamie Lee Curtis, and they were originally trying to get John Carpenter return. Uh, and he bowed out. If I remember, H2O wasn't that bad of a movie. It was a short. H2O is not a bad movie. The main problems with it is, is that one, they couldn't decide on a mask, so there's like four different masks in the movie. One's even like a bad CGI version. No. It's a nineteen. It's like in one shot, but it's clearly 1998 like, CGI. Could they just not decide between like young Shatner and old Shatner? Is that like like the, the mask gets really baggy at one point? You're like, no, 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 no. no. That that would have almost been better. Um, basically, what it was is they did some shots with the mask from Six, decided they didn't like that, and then the director was like, he picked this new mask that looked nothing like the michael myers mask it just it had no like features to it it was just very blank and i think that's probably why he liked it but then people were like they saw the dailies and they're like that looks nothing like michael myers or that's not michael myers kind of thing mm -hmm. so they had another mask made that was like an in-between version of that mask and the six mask and then uh I don't remember what the other mask was, but there was a whole mask debacle, which I'm going way off on a tangent here. But the point that I was making is, is that, you know, they had already said like, oh, we're only um, we're disregarding four, five and six at this point. And obviously three, since it doesn't tie in. Um, and that, I, like, I like the three could still be canon out yeah. of all this. It doesn't matter. <laughs> three like, is the true Halloween movie. And, and we'll get there. It's been a year since I've seen it. But it's like, I, just, I like to believe that's like, because nothing in that happens with Michael Myers whatsoever. It could all be real. This, right. Like that company could exist in this part of Haddonfield. You don't know or whatever, but it's fine. Anyway. So then, you know, you have uh, that, which which does well. I do think that there's missed opportunities in that outside of the mask issue, H2O. There's, there's some things that they could have done that I think dramatically would have been interesting that they didn't do, but whatever. Um, it does have a great ending. And then resurrection happens. 
and that's Laurie Strode dies, and Michael Myers basically fights Buster Rhymes. Um, I, I, you can't make that up. No, I, I know that's what happens. There's the the house with the webcams in it or yeah. something. Yeah, that's very much a product of its time. It feels like. Yeah, and then uh, and then you've got the two the the remake and its sequel. So you're talking about in a series, you've got two movies, a movie that's an in- typically kind of an anthology movie that doesn't take place in the universe. Then you have three more movies that tie in, and then you have seven and eight, which are are disregarding everything except for two. And then you've got the two remakes. So like the whole Halloween franchise is nothing but either alternate realities or disregarding sequels or anthology or trying to start a different anthology movie so you know when it comes to being upset about it it's like how it's kind of its thing like halloween like every couple of years just like well we're disregarding the three other movies that we made and you know which is weird to me because like of the three when i think of like halloween you think also like friday 13th and then for some reason i mean elm street always comes to mind like those are the ones you michael myers freddie jason right yeah those are the, the big three and it's like of the three like michael myers is actually the most straightforward like no pun intended of a character and motivation but somehow that ball gets dropped and then even as goofy as the friday 13th movies get they all they all really do go in order except for the 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 newest one which is a reboot It, it doesn't really take away from the other ones but it's like you go from young jason all the way to in space and it's like, and it all kind of, it all kind of fits together in a weird way. Like, and and then some of it, like, well, except for goes to hell, I guess a little bit of hand waving. Yeah. But like you, there, there's, there's a much clearer line to the Jason movies that you can appreciate. And with Nightmare on Elm Street, when you get to Freddy's dead, they're like, oh no, 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 we'll just do a new nightmare where it becomes meta and it involves the writing of Freddy. So it doesn't take away from the, the sequels before that. And it, and it does come back to the first movie just because it's smart. Like new nightmare is a slow movie now and it doesn't hold up very well, but the idea behind it's really good. Yeah. And, and it's somehow how do those franchises kind of keep their shit together? But Halloween's like, I don't know. Well, to be fair there. Uh, well, I guess I, I always forget that there's a nightmare on Elm street remake. Cause it's terrible. Oh yeah. I forgot um, about that too. But, uh, yeah. you know, for the well, most the part, they're doing stuff like, I'll, and even the, the, <laughs> like they, they're the Friday 13th. They have their nightmare on Elm street and they have their Texas chainsaw. Yeah. So let's forget about platinum dunes and talk about the, you know, the, yeah. the franchises and proper, you know, but you know, there was new nightmare. I think it was 94, I believe something like that. And then we don't see Robert England, Jace or, uh, Freddy again again until 2003 for freddy versus jason so there's nine years in between those two Mm -hmm. movies um so like once they actually stopped making the actual i guess the point that i'm making is is there's been a constant with the halloween franchise where they've consistently been making movies um friday they made the first eight movies in eight years so like you were literally getting a movie every year it was like the saw franchise i guess Saw is the most um, popular That's true. comparison I guess that, that I yeah, can make. That, that, is, that is accurate, unfortunately. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, my point about that is, is just, you know, if, if it, you know, bothers you from a series that has done nothing but disregard the previous movies, I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, I, I need to watch two again. It's been a long time since I've seen the original two. Um, 
I just I wonder about it's like I almost not that I want to disregard Halloween three, but it would be interesting if they would just come out and been like, by the way, this film's called John Carpenter's Halloween three. And the people would have been like, oh, my goodness, we could now kind of set this one on top of the other one. And we have Myers all the way through. And that would be kind of interesting to me. You know? I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go that route, yeah. to be perfectly honest. And, Man. you know, the, the other thing that I wanted to throw in there, though, is, is that they're kind of relaunching Michael again or Halloween again. I do wonder how making a sequel to the original 40 years later is this this is essentially going to be H4O as opposed to, <laughs> you know, H2O. Like um, yeah. You know, I where do you go after that then yeah like, I, I still kind of wish that they would actually just went back to the idea that the halloween was an anthology versus just michael myers that would have been yeah. kind of interesting and, and you could still make michael of, myers movies you know but had yeah. season of the witch done well it would have yeah um but i also should say that like four is outside of the original is my favorite so mm-hmm. The idea that I wouldn't get four is a little disappointing to me. I think four <laughs> is fantastic. And actually, if they were like, um, we're just going to ignore that everything after four didn't happen. We're making a direct sequel to four. I'd be on board with that, too. So <laughs> I just I think, you know, when it comes to alternate realities, you just got to let it go. Um, it's a 40 year old franchise at this point. That's fair. At least you're having the Carpenter involved again, which is good. Yeah. Uh, and then um Say what you want about Danny McBride, but I, I actually I like him a great deal, and the fact that he's passionate about this, and he know he knows what works and doesn't work in terms of storytelling. I mean, I, this is not the same thing at all. But watching Eastbound and Down, like they know how to tell, like he knows how to get good character moments out of that, and, it's, and it was a, a comedy about an asshole pitcher that was trying to redeem himself, and there were some really rough like human elements in there. So if that works, I, I'm sure he could do well. Like just make make me care about the characters. And and not just make it just like a homage to all slashers, you know. Like I, right. if Carpenter's coming back, he probably has something different he wants to say. A little, you know, even though he's not the one writing it, you know. And you know, the other thing that I'll say about Jamie Lee Curtis returning is, is that like she made no secret that like she was under the impression that like H two O was supposed to be it, um, that she was going to be able to kill Michael, and that was the end. And then they got into it, and they're like, oh yeah, well he's not really dead. Yeah. Um, And I have a feeling that they were like, look, you do this. We make it right. We make a true final ending for either your character or both. She has a Harrison Ford clause or contract now. (laughs) It's like, I'll come back. But either you kill me or I kill whatever. It's fine. You know, and I do wonder, like, because I got really excited when I saw that photo of her standing on the porch. She's wearing the very similar outfit to one and he's standing behind her. And I got really excited. And it makes me wonder, like, why... And I, I won't go off to- topic on this, but I, I keep wondering, like, hey, you know, Sigourney Weaver could make another Alien movie. Well, that was, you know, that was uh, the plan. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk more about Halloween three in a couple weeks. I look forward to that conversation. Um, you know, well, like I, that's uh, what I when I thought of the idea of doing like the sequel thing. It was more like I think that was the one that I really was wanting to go back to because it's been a long time since I've seen three. Yeah, and and then also because you know, we just recently at Cinema Wasteland and Mr. Tom Atkins was there and that was pretty great and he's one of the leads in that movie and he called me Steve Arena. My there, heart that's melted. Perfect, you know. Um, and all speaking of sequels, just real quick before we get to the feature here. Uh, next week, you are going to be at a screening of what's the name of the movie? Well, it's Victor Crowley. Yeah. It's the fourth Hatchet movie. There you go. 
And and but Adam Green is going to be in attendance, the guy who is the creator of the Hatchet series. Yes. And that's going to be at the Capitol at seven o'clock on a Wednesday. So next yeah. Wednesday, which is the eighteenth. Eighteenth. Uh, so And I don't know if tickets are still available or not, but uh, if you're a horror fan, come check it out and support the Capitol. So Yeah, absolutely. So all right, so enough talking about horror movies. Let's get to some horror movies. And now for our feature presentation. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 is a film I have never seen until yesterday. Um, I have talked about this before. The original was one of the one. It was like the, one of the only movies that was the taboo movie in my growing up. Like my mom, we would go to the video store and rent like the the shittiest box art. Like she was like, "That looks good," and we would get everything. You know, like just like I, I just to try to think off the top of my head. I'm just like with movies that we watched. Uh, I'm sure that that movie, The Prophecy, the one about the mercury that ends up in the water that ends up affecting the bear. That it's just it's all it's 70s eco horror bad but like we'd watch that we'd watch um mother's day which was terrible uh it just it, like happy birthday to me you know like just like, like whatever i'm sure like this great was your mom a horror fan at, that's where i get it from okay like, so like it's because of her like we would go read like the the, the 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 dumbest box art because she thought it looked good she's like she read the back of them like that sounds good and then then also she kept all her books because she thought my older brother would be the reader of the family and I was the reader, so I read Stephen King like when I was in like middle school. So nice. I have a, like the the first part of my life is nothing but horror stuff, right? But for some reason, Texas Chainsaw was that thing that we couldn't watch, and I think I know why. It's because at the very beginning, the narration makes it sound like it's a true story, and I don't think she liked. I don't think she could handle she. I she thought the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a real event. Okay. So anything that was real, we couldn't really watch. But like all the Freddies, all the Jasons, all that. Um, she took me to go see Gremlins when I was a kid. I was too scared. I had to go sit in the car because that movie scared the shit out of me as a kid. And I'd, so I don't know. Like, I won't go off on a tangent on Gremlins, but I will say that it's probably one of my favorite childhood memories is seeing that in the theater. But not uh, mine. I was in a car scared. <laughs> um, you know, my actual experience with the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, is very similar to yours. Actually, I saw it. Um, not I wasn't not allowed to see it, but I saw it. I feel like um, somewhere around junior high was the first time that I'd seen it. Um, and that may have actually been sparked by, I don't know if you remember a film called Summer School. There were two yeah. characters in yeah. there called Chainsaw Dave, and they were big Texas Chainsaw Massacre fans. I had also been under the belief that it was based on a true story. So when I watched it, I could not get into it. Um, and I have tried many times over the years, knowing full well that like it's loosely based on Ed Gein. It's not a true story. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, for whatever reason, cannot get into the original. Um, I think it's a because I'm just gonna before we get into two, I'm just gonna say I think it's a masterpiece. I think it deserves it's it's a well deserved place in horror. Um, and you know, especially with Toby Hooper dying, it is truly one of the original masterpieces of horror cinema. I just don't like it. Um, so I, yeah, so I watched it like in my late twenties. Um, cause the, the blockbuster that I was going to eventually work at, you know, mm -hmm. the foreshadowing we rent cause I, I told my friends, I'm like, I've never seen this before. We go to rent it and watch it. And it was, I, you know, it was just different. Cause at the time we were all talking about filmmaking and what to do and everything. And then you think about like low budget filmmakers and, uh, Toby Hooper was the, you know, like, he he was like the Robert Rodriguez of his time. Like he made a very important movie 
on less than a shoestring budget. You know, like I've talked about before, there's a tracking shot in the beginning of that movie where it's looking in the house and he only had like three segments of rails. So as the camera's moving, he's running and grabbing the rail and putting it in front, like just to keep it moving. Once like one fluid movement with only three pieces of rail is crazy. Yeah. So it, it looks interesting. It feels like a documentary at times, which is probably part of the reason why my mom didn't much like, like that. Um, the, the suddenness of the violence is very interesting. Um, how when the guy first walks in the house and that, that, that door slides open and Leatherface is right there and clocks him with that meat hammer. Oh, it's chilling. And him. So there's a lot of things there to like. The fact that the family's like screwed up and weird is just very off-putting. And then the end, whenever he's like, it's sunrise, I'm going to dance with my chainsaw. I don't, whatever that is. We'll get to more of that later. You've never danced with a chainsaw in no. the pale moonlight? No. <laughs> Only when I'm killing Batman's <laughs> parents over and over and over again. So... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, um, not that I'm saying it's, I don't know if it's um, like uh, people underrated sequel. I just know that it's been talked about. And I'm, and you saw stills, like the poster for it's great because the, the guys are all like like um, the same positions as the Breakfast Club. That's kind of funny. It's awesome. I love it. So the poster is very iconic. Dennis Hopper's in this. And just seeing individual screenshots of him the way he's dressed up in like complete like Texas bolo tie hat and then having chainsaws on his sides like they're like guns is a very striking image. Yes. And it's like, what is this movie about? And then after watching Electric Boogaloo, the rise and fall of Canon films and realizing that Texas Chainsaw 2 was a Canon film, my interest went up a lot because all those movies we I saw in that documentary were crazy. Yes. They, they made it like breakneck speed, budgets would change magically. And they just wanted movies out to make money. And so, yeah, that's that. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a very different movie than the original. And that's that's what I was going to actually say is that uh, my experience with the, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was is it was sort of like the girl that you really thought you liked. But, you know, you keep trying to convince yourself that you do. Um, so <laughs> I would... I would, you know, I, I even bought a copy at one time because I was like, I'm going to go home and watch this. I'm, maybe my perspective has changed. Over many years, just trying to get into it, and I never have been able to. So I never saw two. I never saw any other Chainsaw movies, okay? And then about two or three years ago, I was in Walmart, and the second one was sitting on the uh, shelf for like $5 on DVD. And I'm like, you know, I feel like I should see this just because... I'm a horror fan. Like it's it's sort of like you know, there's certain movies that you kind of have to have at least seen to be able to talk about, or you know that you're like I'm a fan. I should at least give it a chance. Maybe there'll be something in it. And I don't want to give away too much here, but like I love the movie. Really, I, I was yeah. you. You did not sell to me one way or another how you felt about yeah. this movie. I um, I that that's actually that's actually pretty great because this this is a very different film than the first one uh the like even though you see it hits some of the similar beats uh just because i i don't know if it was for sake of trying to show how ridiculous the first movie really is um it it like i like that toby hooper even though he was supposed to originally just write it not direct it but then canon's like hey we have no money we have no director and he's like fine i guess i'll direct it and then they would tell him day to day how much money he had but depending upon how the other movies were doing at the time yeah what kind of pressure is that you know, so he doesn't, you know, not a, not a very safe, stable environment financially for a movie. He didn't want to direct. And then, and then Canon was expecting him to make a horror film. 
And he kept saying, I want to make a black comedy because he kept saying the first movie is a black comedy, but though people kind of missed the point. And so he sets out to make this. I don't know what it is, but it, it is gross and off putting, but it's not scary. Um, maybe towards the end, a little bit when the family gets more involved with uh, stretch, the female lead, there's a bit there with grandpa showing back up again. That's yeah. very, that's very unnerving. But this thing is just, it's just balls to the wall crazy the entire time. And it was fun. I was laughing, laughing with it. Cause it was like, you could tell sometimes when a movie is like off the rails bad, you just can't help but to shake your head. But this, it's like, there was a clear vision, a ridiculous vision. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually the reason that I liked it. It's so the original is very, you know, you said it, it, it's got a documentary feel the, um, the color palette's very muted. Um, it's dusty. It's dirty. It feels gritty. This one is brightly colored. It's Tom Savini effects. I mean, uh, I love, uh, so I'm not a gore hound per se, but I do feel like sometimes effects when they're done just in such a way that you're like, oh, how did they do that? <laughs> like Tom Savini in the 80s was kind of like the king of that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a uh, part at the beginning of the movie where um, there's these two yuppies and uh, such a comment on the 80s. Like they're they're so prototypically 80s that I feel like if you saw them in a parody of the 80s now, you'd be like, the 80s wasn't like that. Oh, wait, the 80s wasn't yeah, like that. Yeah, they were in the Mercedes with the, the car phone. Yeah. There was two car phones in this movie. So very forward thinking. Yeah. Um, the one just had a handgun. Right. It, it was like, and the license plate was uh, F-U-H-Q. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, um, Chop Top dr- pulls up driving the the um, the truck, and in the back is Leatherface using the original hitchhiker from the first movie's corpse as a puppet as he cuts through the car's top and cuts the guy's head off. Like I shouldn't say cuts the head off; he cuts it from like angle. the eye, yeah, yeah. Uh, over, and you just see like his head like slide over, like. From like nose down or uh, yeah. bridge of the nose up, um, and it's just such a wonderful over the top sequence. It's a fantastic um, effect, um, and I that's like in the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. I'm not even spoiling anything for a movie that's over thirty years. Yeah, old. I mean, I could say this. Do you know why they are called spoilers? I'm sorry. I know. I know. I just watched it for the first time, so a lot of people may not have. But I feel like the statute of limitations for spoiling Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> Two has passed. But yeah, I mean, all the sneak in Blade Runner spoilers in the middle <laughs> of this. Like, yeah. They, uh, they, so they had me at, at that, and then you throw in over the top uh, Dennis Hopper, like really just going for it, like just God bless him. I guess he hated this film. Like I was reading about this, and he said this was his least favorite film until he changed. Until he changed his story later, saying his least favorite film is part of was Super Mario Brothers. So this was a dark time into his Hopper's <laughs> life. But it's like the thing. Like you could tell that he is really trying to to go somewhere with this. Yeah. But then the second half of the film, they give him nothing to do. Yeah, and it's, it's a bummer. His whole thing is just about using Stretch to get to them, and then. The rest of the movie is just him <laughs> running around, yeah, um, a 
it's supposed to be a theme park or something, just call, cutting support beams with a chainsaw. And that's all he's doing until like the last three minutes of the movie. And it's just like, it's like this old house, but with Dennis Hopper with a chainsaw running around, just cutting support beams. That's all you see him doing for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and it's great, but it doesn't add anything, you know? Right. Um, but the idea that the family is on the run, they're in a different part of Texas, which I know Texas is like the size of like Pluto. So I have no idea exactly in relation to where anything is in Texas and that they're hiding under this theme park and that they're basically staying close to one of the college towns because it's a big football rivalry weekend. So they're going to make a lot of money selling human chili, which I think it's great that they keep talking about how it's a football crowd. So everybody's going to be excited for yeah. chili and how the, um, the elder of the family is like the one that's the most like approachable in public because he doesn't have a, like a metal plate in his head or you know wearing a mask of skin right you know they, it's just it's interesting that they're setting up shop just so they can make more chili to sell to people it's very it's very um i don't know small business you gotta support small business right <laughs> just a, but the but underground though with all the lights and the decorations it it, it reminded me of nothing but trouble but nothing but trouble is a movie that came later, right? And it, but it felt like there was the, like I can only imagine that the set dressing for that must have been a lot of fun. But you're yeah. right; it was very bright. Even underground it was very bright, very almost like almost like neon, but it wasn't neon. Yeah, and one of the things that I'm a sucker for, um, and this is just not for horror movies, just in any story, uh, is where the when the settings feel like they're extensions of the characters, um, and that's not just that that. Um, uh, theme park that uh, the finale takes place in, but the the radio station that Stretch works at mm-hmm. like feels very much like a piece of her. Um, and same with uh, the guy that she works there. I think it's LG or LJ. Yeah, it is LG. Yeah. Um, you know they feel like they're part of that world. Um, everything felt like it was a extension of story and character and anytime i get that in a movie it it just it also helps me buy into whatever the story is no matter how over the top or ridiculous it may be and i'm not saying that like oh it's the greatest story ever told i'm just saying that like the movie itself really gets you to invest in that world and the attention to detail shows yeah and there's something to be said for middle of nowhere radio station that happens to have a gun store off to the one side. I don't know if you noticed that they're down below. There's a gun sign that they sold guns. No, uh, I one didn't part catch of the, that. It was, I was like, that's Texas. <laughs> sure. Uh, but the whole like, like middle of nowhere radio station that, that calls out to me. Cause there's something about like midnight radio, which is what this felt like to me and seeing the equipment that she was around took me back. And this is my nostalgia back to when I was in college and our equipment was that old, but it was still like, you know, 15 years past this movie, <laughs> but having, you know, the turntables and the tape decks and the cart machines and all the random posters and stickers and flyers and just kind of like that. The, the place isn't dirty, but it's just so visually noisy that feels like every radio station I've ever been in. Yeah. And I dug that. Um, but also like the attention to the, the even just the family, like a uh, crop top. Is that crop top? Chop top. Chop top. Crop top, whatever. Chop top. Crop like, top is the, a- the whole. <laughs> that is, yeah, yeah. Is that Dick Tracy villain? I can't remember. <laughs> but um, he, there's this, at first you don't realize what he's doing, but taking the, the metal coat hanger and laying the end of it and just like picking off pieces of his own scalp within eating it and it's like they're not drawing attention to it he's just talking to her yeah and it's like when it slowly realizes what he's doing that is just so messed up oh it's disturbing yeah um and toby hooper uh went on to 
I don't know if he said it or if um, the actor who played Shop Top uh, said it, um, but uh, that every time that he, he found a spot underneath the plate that would basically make him orgasm. <laughs> so that's why he kept sticking the, uh, the oh. coat hanger underneath the plate. Um, and that's why he makes those faces. Oh, okay. Um, that's, that's kind of a, yeah, it's a little inside baseball. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, so even that sequence there, uh, like suddenly you have the uh, Leatherface show up and he was in the record vault and he just shows up with a chainsaw full power. I don't know how you turn that on immediately like you do, but that was, a, that was very reminiscent of the first movie. And also in the radio station, they had the big sliding metal door yeah. like in the first movie. Um, which that actually held up, but then you had what was it you had Leatherface burst through a wall or something right beside? I forget something to the effect of like, well, that door's not helping. Right. Um, there was like there's those beats that remind you of the first movie, but they don't go the way that you think. And I think that was just like Hooper just screwing with people. And I just ultimately wonder if there was someone out there when this movie first came out, if they're like, there's a sequel, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I cannot wait to go see it. And they sit down in the theater and it's like it's made by the same guy. It has there. What am I watching? Right. I can't think of another sequel that totally goes in such a different direction than this. I mean, maybe later when they add more movies to a franchise, but not the sequel. Yeah. I don't I can't think of another movie that where the second one goes like a completely bonkers direction. Yeah, and I mean well, Gremlins we Bernie's too. too. Oh Gremlins too. Yeah. Um but uh you know, and I think that's that's what I loved about it, um, was that it it went in such a different direction and the effects are over the top and you've got Dennis Chain De- Dennis Hopper running around with two chainsaws and you've got uh, you know, um a effect where uh, the actor is skinned and still has to give a performance. Um, and, you know, actually... Go- while, while he's looking at his own face covered right. on stretch, which is weird. And, like, she couldn't take the face off because her hands were tied. It's so messed up. Yeah, it's very messed up. Um, but, you know, even going back to that character um, of LG, um, and I was talking about how settings and things like that all felt like they came together to tell the story um that he's got a little character moment that's it's nothing that's you know interesting or big or exciting or even pushes it expositionally but like she's at the hotel to see lefty at the beginning of the movie and he's just kind of waiting for her outside and he's got like the gigantic plate of fries and he's making a fry house yeah and it's so weird but it also just so it it's a nice little character beat where you're like i don't know if that adds to the movie but it's like uh, it, it fits in this scene and it just everything sort of feels very much of the story that they're telling um there was no conflict of of i guess every every little character beat sold the movie even more to me is what i should say yeah you never got the vibe that like they, they were they were pals and co-workers like there was no other bit to that story and that was yeah. that worked um yeah that was interesting i just also was surprised at the lack of a body count yeah, this movie like you have the two guys at the beginning, you have LG eventually, and that's it. Like yeah. to, if I remember right, there's not really, there's not too much. I mean, LG goes out badly with getting hit in the head repeatedly and then getting skinned and then waking up and realizing, oh, he's not dead. No, that's not good. Yeah. Um, but there isn't really like for you. You think one of the rules of a sequel is that you would increase the body count, and I think there's actually less people killed in this than there is in the first one. Yeah. If not, maybe the same number, but it was very, for a movie that's violently graphic at times, there's very few people killed in it. And I think that's also, you know, uh, one of the interesting things is, is, um, 
the first movie is essentially almost bloodless. If you watch it, there isn't a lot of gore in that movie. Mm-hmm. The things that you think you're seeing, you're you're not really. Yeah, it's yeah, implied. You're, yeah. you're implying it. Uh, your brain is thinking that you're saying it, but it's not really. Um, just because it's so awful, whether it's him putting her on the meat hook Ugh. or, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, this one was sort of like, we're going to go the polar opposite way. <laughs> we're going to, at one point, Dennis Hopper uh, kicks open a wall and just nothing oh, yeah, but right. guts about, come yeah. out of it. It's like, what? It felt like a video game thing where it's yeah. like, well, I don't want to open that door again. It was <laughs> just like, just, or, or like the worst family double dare challenge where it's like, well, there's a flag in here somewhere. I'm not touching it. It was disgusting. Yeah. Forgot um, about that. So yeah, um, I just I thought that that was also just such an interesting move, and I'm sure part of it was, you know, at, at that point it's 1985, I think, and you know, gore is kind of king when it comes to horror movies, and you don't hire Tom Savini to just do like a simple blood gag. You you want him to really bring something to the movie. So um, I could see them going in that opposite direction, but I think it works. I think it, it definitely works with that tone that he's tell- using. And it makes me wonder if that was almost a commentary on what people were expecting. Like, oh, I'm going to kick this open. You guys want gore? Here's a bunch of it. Like, yeah. I just make it just, I I really, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of information out there because I feel like this is a movie that, that has probably been dissected, no, no pun intended. I just wonder where the 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 black comedy line stops and like the intent of showing horrific things or if it is the same thing I don't know but it's very you know and then when they get to the point where the family's wrapped up again having dinner with stretch at the table which is a callback to the first movie and when they bring grandpa back out with the hammer like that's you're just like this is this is just like it's the same thing yeah and then when they hit her and her head just drops I honestly thought they killed her. I thought that yeah. was the end of it. And I was like, well, that's a, that's a weird way to end this movie. And then Dennis Hopper comes in, and there's a chainsaw duel with him and Leatherface, which is great, actually. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense, but it's great. I don't think chainsaws function like that. You, you say that like you're surprised. I hear chainsaw fight, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> but then, okay, so to, to jump to the end here, so she's I, I, like... There's a grenade that goes off, which I think kills Lefty. I think that's the whole implied thing. But somehow, somehow, a Leatherface lives, even though his, he has like the, he's torn in two with the chainsaw, whatever. Um, Lefty gets a hold of um, the chainsaw, and she's going up the the, the walkway or the ladder, and um, you know, Slap Chop is chasing her, uh, and he kicks, <laughs> chopped up, yeah, whatever, Slap Chop, yeah, and she she kicks him, Slam Chop, she kicks him, he falls down a hole, and then she's all the way at the top of this thing, and she starts waving the chainsaw around, just like the end of the first movie, yeah, like I, it's just it was a weird ending, and then there's something behind her that starts to creep up. Do you ever notice that? No, it, there's something at the very end that starts to show up at the very very end. And you just see it for a second. I don't know who it is coming up behind her, but there's something. I want to go home and rewatch it now just to see. Yeah, it's um, it, it, but it was a weird ending. It's like, because anytime you saw Leatherface get excited, he does like this weird like dance holding the chainsaw above his head and yeah. shakes back and forth, which is very entertaining. Which he now looks like Nathan Frost to me. I can't unthink of him as uh, was it Nathan Frost from uh, uh, The Shaun of the Dead and uh. And Nick Frost. Nick Frost. Nick. Jesus. Why did I say Nathan Frost? He looks like Nick Frost to me, wearing like a Nick Frost mask. So <laughs> like I can't unthink that now. Um, but yeah, it was just it was a weird ending. And but it's the same thing. It was the it was the same ending as the first movie. Yeah. After all that, it was the same ending. And I'm like, what what purpose did that serve other than just to be like, what just happened? You know? Because uh, in the third movie, like 
I, which I did see. I don't know how, why I remember seeing that, but I did. There's no, there's no continuation on it. It's just a different story. Yeah, and I mean, going back to our conversation about alternate realities, I because I liked two so much, I decided to investigate more of the series, mm-hmm. and I watched three, and I actually liked three as well. Three is odd in the sense that it's got a very early in his career Viggo Mortensen um it has uh Ken Forey who if you're a horror fan know him from the original Dawn of the Dead and um a movie called From Beyond and um he's he's in a ton of uh horror movies um but uh that movie just basically ignores two <laughs> um there's no continuity to it there's um, characters aren't, there's no Chop Top, uh, there's no The Cook, who, um, and Viggo Mortensen's character is essentially, I think he's supposed to be, if I remember correctly, correctly either the, the hitchhiker or somebody else. It, it, basically, the, the point that I'm making is, is that three doesn't pick up at all, and it ignores two, and, um, and then four, I'm... I've seen it only because of the fact that um, that's the next generation. That's all with Matthew McConaughey yes. and Renee Zellweger. And it's <laughs> terrible. It's it's really bad. Um, I, yeah, I'm sure it has its fans. Every horror sequel does. But I was just watching it, and I'm like, God, this feels like like um, like cosplay, like bad cosplay for Leatherface. Like It looked like somebody was just like, oh, throw some makeup on a mask, put it on him, and that's Leatherface. Like... Um, it was like, is that, is that the prequel to like the Bridget Jones's Diary movies? It's like, it's just her character. And then she ends up running to like, you know, Hugh, Hugh, uh, oh shoot, what's his yeah, name? Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I was going to say Hugh Laurie. And I'm like, no, not House. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, that's, it, it's interesting that these people are like, well, it's a job. And it's like, now yeah. they go on to become like acclaim actors. Viggo Mortensen, I for, like, I, I've seen the movie, but I obviously didn't place him. Yeah. And he's actually really good in, in the third one. So. Um, and I, I don't remember how we got off on the tangent of the other movies, but, um, you know, it's well, like every two ends so just like abruptly and weird. Yeah. You know? like, and it's like every other horror series and that like some sequels work, some don't. Um, three actually, I think works better than, uh, I thought it would. And then in the next generation, not so much. So in terms of the, the thesis that there's like, you know, um, uh, that we had for that I proposed of like, um, you know, uh, not what, what did I say, not undeserved sequels, but like um, overlooked sequels. Uh, how would you would you say that this? Because you said you love this movie and you're yeah. not a fan of the first one, and you've given your reasons why. Is this like one of those ones that you think deserves a second look? If people maybe, if they didn't know they're watching a comedy, I can see how they're off put the first time. Like, is it just more like? I think if people, I think horror fans get it. I, I think a lot of horror fans get it. I. I don't know that your average person who's like, yeah, you know, every once in a while I'll watch a horror movie or, you know, I don't know. I guess the thing that I always go to is, is like my barometer is like my, either my in-laws or um, somebody who is like, oh, I hear there's a Star Wars movie coming out. Like that average person, maybe Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 isn't for them, but I'm going to guess the first one wasn't either. That's <laughs> fair. Uh, yeah. So, um you know, I would say if if you're somebody who is open to um, 
revisiting it, give it another shot because I, I think it's a fantastic movie. And I do understand that like I'm in the minority when I say I don't like the first one. And it's not because I think the first one's a bad movie. It's just that for whatever reason, it's always been tainted by my initial first watch. Um, and I, I see all the filmmaking aspects behind it. I see all the... Um, I see the allure of the movie. I get why people like it. It's just it's one that I can't seem to fall in love with. That's fair. I mean that, that and so I, um, the the original isn't really on my list of anything other than I've seen it, and then I actually had the opportunity again. I'm going to keep pushing the capital. They had a midnight or like a ten o'clock showing of it. Whenever they did the big um, when they the 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 big restored version of it, so okay. it was like really crisp print. So me and a friend of mine went. She had never seen it before. I'm like, let's just go see this in the theater. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. And I think that's one that deserves to go see in the theater if it comes around. And maybe um, if I saw it in the theater, I would have a different reaction because I've never seen it with a group of people. Yeah. Um, I can say, like, for instance, The Exorcist is also a movie that I think is fantastic. Uh, I saw that, like, on a re-release back in, like, 2002. It was in the theaters. Um, and it was just such a fantastic movie to see in the theater with people. But like, it's not one that I'm like on Home Alone on Friday night. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch The Exorcist. So. Oh yeah, the The Exorcist is a, is a tricky one for me because I've read the novel. It's a it's a great novel, and I and I love that movie. And I think it's it's a damn near perfect horror film. I I don't believe in the supernatural, but I believe The Exorcist scares the shit out of me every time I watch it. Yeah, and it's, again, it feels very straightforward, very much like a documentary. And something about it just feels very like it does. It feels like a film and not a horror movie, and I have a hard time with that. Like, and, and not as in like I can't get over it, but it's like whenever anybody mentions The Exorcist, like watching it, I'm like, if you want to, like I don't go out of yeah. my way seeking it out, but I love that movie. Um, I you know I, I have it, but I don't watch it an awful <laughs> lot. We'll put it that way. Spider Walk, Ugh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. upside down Spider Walk, terrifying. But yeah, so yeah, I'm glad that I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I feel like. I don't know if I'll ever revisit it, but it was it was odd enough that I think it was worth my time because how many how many sequels are out there that are just like like cookie cutter or worse or they just turn everything up to 11 and that may work, but may not. I can just tell that Toby Hooper didn't want to make the same movie again. So I got to respect that. Um, It's very much a movie of its time in the sense of like 80s movies didn't necessarily have to have the most grounded characters. Uh, but there's like these snapshots of stereotypes that are in all those movies at that time. It definitely feels like a canon film in the sense of like, throw it at a wall, see if it sticks. Is it cheap? Let's go. And I get that the entire time too. I did not realize how much canon influenced my life growing up. Because like (laughs) thinking about like all the stuff they just pushed out and you're like, that sounds good. And that's pretty much all the thought they put into it too. too. It's like, that sounds good. Will that make money? All Superman four. That's a good idea. You know? Um, But yeah, I'd recommend it. it. It was fun. You know, my my last thing that I will say, uh, the other thing that I I, um, credit uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 for is, is, uh, and this is actually a very recent development, um, uh, when Toby Hooper passed away, I believe it was last month or the month before, um, I went back and I rewatched 2 again, um, and then uh, ironically um, in iTunes, I have never listened to The Cramps. Uh, and there's oh, a song nice. in um, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 called the uh, Goo Goo Muck. And uh, I was like looking through like, oh, albums that are on sale. And that song was on that album. So it's like, oh, it's a cheap album. I'm going to pick it up. And like 
I have, you know, at 42 years old, well, I'm now 43, but at 42 yeah, years birthday. old, thank you, yeah. uh, <laughs> I, uh, I became a cramps fan. Um, so sometimes you just got to be all about those bikini girls with machine guns. Right. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would say that that's the other thing that I really liked of the movie is it's got a cool soundtrack. So. It does. And, and like, it's, it has kind of a punk and rock soundtrack to it too, which if you go back to last week, we talked about return of the living dead too. Not so much that one, but Return of the Living Dead has a very interesting soundtrack and the as well. Cramps are on that as well, yeah. and, and that's one of my favorite movies. And I don't know why that never got me to look into them. But, yeah, right. Yeah. So um, that, that's cool. So yeah, like I, I would recommend checking this out if, if you this, if this is something that's kind of up your alley, check it out. Uh, if not, I mean you know buyer beware, I guess. But either way, it was a fun diversion. Uh, it is definitely a different sequel to the original, but somehow still works in terms of like the family was weird. It just happens to be it was one hot summer day in Texas, and this happened to be like football weekend, you know. Yeah. So whatever. Anyway, so enough about that. I know next week either will be um, uh, Creep Show two or Halloween three. Got to figure out what's going on there, or I might make an audible and just might watch Exorcist two. I hope not. That's a terrible movie. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a terrible movie. Um, but if you guys have any thoughts about uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, you can uh, certainly hit us up on our Facebook. It's Invasion of the Podcast. Uh, we have an email. It's invadingpodcast at gmail.com. We have a website. It's Invasion of the Podcast. And on there is our blog. Um, I mentioned the blog just because now it is being updated with things. I have now watched four of 30 Westerns. Um, and I most recently watched Rio Bravo, uh, which... Like if you read my blog post, I didn't realize how much Rio Bravo influenced things that I love, like aside from westerns. So check that out. And then also before that, the original Three Ten to Yuma, which was really, really, really good. Were there any chainsaws? There was there was no chainsaws in either oh. one. Um, there was uh, some old man throwing dynamite for John Wayne to shoot at. <laughs> like that was there that was going on. And one of them yelled, "How do you like them apples?" As they're throwing dynamite at this house and shooting at it. Um, but yeah, Rio Bravo is good. Uh, but Three Ten Yuma, it's just it's ninety minutes, so it feels more like a modern movie. There's not much fat to it, and mm-hmm. it's just a nice tight movie. It's really good. I, I've seen the remake before. I saw this the one with Russell Crowe and um, Christian Bale that was out like what almost ten years ago now. Um, that was really good, but the original is really good too. So check out the blog. I've been writing about the year of the Western. It's all being crammed in October, November, December, but still in the year, so it counts. Um, and uh, yeah, we were on iTunes. Uh, Podbean, uh, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. If you could rate and review us there, that'd be great. Uh, we would appreciate that. And now, on to a game of Would You Rather. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> and I forgot to pimp the Sonic Slasher, so you want to... Uh, yeah, uh, that thing that I do. Um, myself and um, co-creator Ryan Sandy uh, have a webcomic called uh, The Saturday Night Slasher. It can be found at www.thesaturdaynightslasher.com. Um, we are going to have some new content at the end of this month uh, continuing the story, so check it out. There you go. Um, so, And if not, just watch out for your Saturdays because he's coming to get you. No, uh, so uh, this I had originally titled this game Chainsaw or Chain Nah. I'm not going to make you say that because that sounds stupid. Uh, but this is basically a game of Would You Rather, and this is hastily put together. So we'll see how this goes here, because <laughs> uh, I, like, I, I know you. I don't like. I don't know what buttons to press to to make you really make some hard decisions. So uh, let's see how we got here. Um, would you rather Michael Bay keep making Transformer films, or Michael Bay just starts making He Man films? Ooh. 
Like one is already ruined, and then another he could potentially ruin. Yeah, so I'm going to say he sticks with Transformers, because, <laughs> you know, the thing about He-Man is is that, uh, and I have a soft spot for the Dolph Lundgren movie, I'll admit, uh, going back to canon yet again. Uh, yeah, no kidding. But, uh, you know... It's one of those things where I'm like, why isn't this like a big franchise? Like, you can do anything with it. It's barbarians, but there's laser guns, and then you've got a Skeletor, you know, uh, you've got monsters, you've got castles. You can do pretty much anything that you want with it. It's all candy, basically. So, um, but yeah, keep Michael Bay away from that. So, I mean, if if, another Transformer movie comes out that I don't see, then I guess that's what it is you know I, I would almost prefer now that with all the buzz that um that ragnarok's getting i cannot remember the name of the i mean i know the name of the director i can't pronounce it because he's the one else did uh what we do in the shadows i believe it's taika watiti yeah and he has this really great kind of like he has a good vision but he has a good sense of humor and i know that he's being tapped now to do the live action akira because uh um what was it uh jordan peele uh said he, he he's not going to do that I would like to see maybe him take on like He-Man because even though he's doing Ragnarok and that's space fantasy, that's not that far off from He-Man. Like that would be that'd be a lot of fun actually. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, so Michael Bay would not be making uh, He-Man. Uh. All right. <laughs> um. Would you rather have to watch The Big Bang Theory forever or Fuller House? Ooh, um, the only thing I'll say is there's only like limited episodes of Fuller House. There's like eight thousand seasons of Big Bang Theory. So here's the thing: uh, I had a period in my life where I loved bad television. Like I, <laughs> I watched the original Full House simply because it was terrible. Um, and I, like in college, people were like, "God, you're watching Full House." I'm like, "Yeah, it's got awful, it, got isn't it. it? Like you, you've got to watch this. It's terrible." Um, so like I was, I was. I bought into the the I watched the first season of Fuller House oddly enough. Um what was funny to me about that was is that people were like, "Oh, it's no good." And I'm like, "It's the same show. <laughs> it's still terrible." Yeah. Um you're just colored by nostalgia or whatever you thought you watched the first time, but um the the other thing with the Big Bang Theory is is that like I know it's I as any good card carrying geek slash nerd whatever you want to call me I should be in up in arms about the Big Bang Theory but I I don't I I don't care um, <laughs> so so which one would you have to watch forever I guess probably Fuller House only because of the fact that um, I t- kind of revel in that sugary sweet terrible television of you know, leave it to well, Beaver. Th- in that, the- that was the the TGIF lineup, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. No, no, no. It was not Full House. It was like Step by Step. Um, oh, um, Family Matters. Family Matters. That's what I was supposed to think of. Yeah, and early, early on, Perfect Strangers, and I think things like that, because that's where Family, Matter- Family Matters came from, was because of Perfect Strangers. I I could get behind ABC comedies. Like, uh, the reason my problem with Full House, or sorry, Fuller House now, is that I think because there isn't like the bar was set so low that they could wink at a camera and people just hoot and holler and cheer. And I don't, right. I don't like that where the original, I'm not saying it's not saccharine. I'm not saying it was, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, cotton candy, but there, it wasn't, it was very much of the time of every other sitcom like that. Like you can talk about full house. I could talk about growing pains. I could talk about uh, uh family ties. It's they're They're not that far away from each other. I would, 
I would posit that Family Ties is far better show than Full House. Oh no, there, there's but... more drama involved in that. There's more character. Yeah, you also got Michael uh, J. Fox out of that versus uh, the Olsen twins. So I'm going to go with Michael J. Fox for the win. Yeah, I was going to say, like, who else did we get out of Full House? I mean, we Bob found out, we Saget. found out the true Bob Saget, which is amazing. Because um, <laughs> uh, true, even though, you know what? I'll say this too. I know he he worked really blue. I, in hindsight, I kind of really liked him as the host of America's Voice Home Videos because he had to say the most innocent things, and you could tell, like he was just hamming it up, like yeah. and it just and it paid a lot. So I'm sure that like every thought he had was foul, but he was just being, you know, Danny Tanner in front of that too, kind of, you know. So, um, but Plus, yeah, there was Dave Coulier on Full House, and I, I liked him f- back then too. I will always forever just think of him as like that's the guy from the Atlantis Morris. No, that can't be the guy from well, the Atlantis. He was Morris also what was it? Um, oh, um, what was the Nickelodeon show? Because that was where he did the original. You, can't, you uh, cut, cut it, it out. out. Um, um, I, want, uh, I was about to say remote control, but that's the MTV show. It was um, out of out of control. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, there you go. Write in and tell us when we we're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, which is often uh, okay. Uh, let's see what we got here. Um, you get to have your your big three Halloween cereals year round. So we're talking about your Frankenberry, Booberry, and Count Chocula, or pumpkin spice goes away forever. Oh, that one's easy. Yeah. Yeah, pumpkin spice goes away forever. <laughs> so, uh, I had a feeling you didn't like pumpkin spice. I don't know. I just yeah. Don't. Uh, so, A, like my favorite cereal of all time is Booberry. Um, for a long time, my picture on Facebook was me with a box of Booberry. Um, but also, uh, for my, <laughs> this is so sad, for my birthday this year, my wife got me uh, this company called Fright Rags, who does horror t shirts and stuff like that. They had uh, made a Booberry t shirt and it came with a like Ben Cooper style mask. Uh, I don't know if you remember the old plastic mask that had yeah, basically yeah. a string. Yeah. It comes with a Booberry mask in a box that looks like the old style boxes. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I love Booberry. If I could eat Booberry all year round and I do buy extra boxes in October and keep them around to eat throughout <laughs> the year, I'm happy camper. But you'd also, you'd, you'd want uh, pumpkin spice to go away forever. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get it. I I I mean, I know people love it, and I'll eat a pumpkin piece of pumpkin pie at Thanksgiving. But after that, I'm like, I'm good for another twelve months. Like I, the pumpkin beers, I'm good with, but I don't have that. You know, that's you know, well, not all of them, but yeah, pumpkin spice in general. Like I get that that's the joke now. Like everything's pumpkin spice, no matter what it is. But there's just some stuff where it's like I don't need that right. to be pumpkin spice. Like um, there is um pumpkin spice. Like pasta sauce, like a giant eagle, they have it. It's like a puree, and I'm like, oh, this sounds disgusting. I don't right. know, like why, like that. Anyway, that's it. Sounds like a like a pumpkin threw up in a jar, and it's like, <laughs> here, put this over pasta. Okay, so some tougher ones here. Um, now this one, I didn't know how you felt about this. A solo Jared Leto's Joker film, or a solo Mr. Freeze film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, oh. Um, because if you pick one, the other one will never exist, and the other one has to exist. I guess I'm gonna go with the Jared Leto Joker, just because of the fact that Batman and Robin is by far the worst comic book movie ever made. <laughs> um, I I 
Oh God! I, I've I've never fallen asleep making fun, like falling asleep while making fun of a movie. Batman and Robin was it. I remember I was sitting on a couch while I was in college watching this, being like, "This is terrible," and I was making fun of it, and then I fell asleep. So not only did I not enjoy what was in front of me, I lost so much interest while making fun of it that I just took a nap instead of watch the rest of the movie. I saw it in the theater, and I I don't I don't typically walk out of a theater angry. <laughs> Um, but I was pretty angry that night. Um, mm. and I, I knew going in that I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be terrible. And then it was like far worse than I thought it was going to be. Is that the anger you've been coming out of the theater? Um, I think so. Um, I'm trying to think of a more disappointing experience at the theater. I mean, you I've been e- angry at people in the theater, which is oh, different. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, I can't think of another experience that eclipses or another movie that bad that I saw in the theater. But for me, it was Crow City of Angels. I was pissed walking out of that theater. That one made me so mad because it could have been something cool. I was lucky that somebody saw it before I did and was like, "Don't bother." Well, that one, then also the first AVP movie I went to go see. I mean, I didn't have the highest of hopes, but I was just like, it was frustrating. Oh, I forgot about that one because I saw that against my will. Um, two of my friends, you know, when it's three people hanging out and like two of them want to do something, yeah. the third's kind of got to go along with it. And I, we walked in and I'm like, you guys know this movie's going to suck, right? This movie is going to suck. And then we walked out of the movie theater and the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, boy, did that movie suck. And they both just looked at me and they're like, yeah, I thought maybe it'd be good. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> now they have my $7. Yeah, right. I was just so mad. Yeah, I was. I was trying to get out of the of my apartment because uh, the roommates I had at the time they had this really really good habit of fighting on my one day off, and so I wanted to get out and go to the theater. And they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll go." And I'm like, "Great!" And so I went to go. <laughs> so not only did I try to escape a conflict, I went to go see a movie about a conflict, and then I was conflicted. I didn't really enjoy that. So all right, anyway, another tough question: seven more Saw films or seven more Paranormal Activity films? Ah, interesting fact about both of those. Being a horror guy, I've only seen the first of both series. So, in some ways, there I think there are like six <laughs> or seven other Saw movies. So that yeah. that already exists in my brain. And oh. then uh, I think there's like five Paranormal Activity. There movies. is, yeah. Um, and it's I didn't not see the other ones because I disliked either of the original ones. It's just that. Found footage, paranormal activity. I liked it for what it was, but I was like, I saw that they were doing a second one. I'm like, I don't know that I need to visit that. And Saw, I thought, was an interesting proposition, but I actually didn't see that until after all the movies, except for the one that's coming out, uh, had been out. So, And everyone told me, like, oh, the first one's good. Don't bother with the other ones. So maybe I should deep dive into that at some point and yeah. do a series of uh, Saw films. I, I think I think from a pure, like, what are you thinking? I think there's more going on in the Saw films than the Paranormal Activity ones. Um, the third the, the, the third one isn't bad. Uh, the, the, it's not, the ending's kind of weak, but the third one is a prequel. It takes place in the 80s, and then somehow they find a way to mount a VHS camera to an oscillating fan. <clears throat> fan. So it does the slow sweep across the house and back. There's a lot of great tension with that. It's okay. a good device for that. But overall, it's a lot of staring and being like, did you see that? Did you Did you see that? And it's very... So either way, I could take it or leave it. I just The thing about my, the Saw films that make me mad is that they, they kept coming out like clockwork, like the Jason films, but they kind of ruined 
um, Halloween releases for those seven years because you couldn't have anything released against it because everyone's like, I gotta see that new Saw movie. It's like, or you could hit yourself in the head with a hammer and go watch a different movie. You right. Know? Like, so, but there's more coming. What a player game, you know? Um, so, all right, I guess neither, neither one of those is a good answer. So, okay. What else we got here? Um, world peace or a satisfying ending to the new Star Wars trilogy? Ooh. <laughs> Gosh. I One mean, is world peace. The other is, you know, it sticks the landing for for nine. You know, I mean, I'm going to take one for the team here. <laughs> You're going to pick world peace? I'm going to pick world peace no. just because, but you know. you got a shitty Star Wars in there. I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, I screwed up world peace. I mean, we've, we've already got that. Uh, <laughs> we got enough of that as it is. So <laughs> That's fair. I, I wasn't trying to trap you, but that, that's fair. Um, okay. You will get a new Friday the 13th film every two years, but they're just mediocre. Or you'll get one new good Friday the 13th film and then no others will ever be made. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the one good one. Because, uh, you know, I, and I, I, after admitting that I haven't seen either of the Saw sequels or uh, Paranormal Activities, I watch a lot of bad horror movies. Um, I, I get my fulfill my fill of uh, of mediocre to bad movies. So every once in a while when I do get a gem, it's a nice surprise. So if I got one more great Friday the 13th, um, and that series is all over the place as it is quality-wise anyways, yeah. you know, if I got one that was like, oh my God, that was fantastic, I would take that. Okay. All right, these last two are a little weird, so bear with me. <laughs> Sorry. As you get angry. <laughs> just, it's, no, it's, it's fine. I just, you got angry. I'm like, knocking how dare things you, over. How dare you ask me this? Okay. <laughs> uh, you find out that unicorns are real, but they're just dicks. Or <laughs> Sasquatches are real, but they'll never be your friend. <laughs> oh, um, well, either way, I don't get friends. Um, it's true. I guess I didn't think about that when I wrote the question. Yeah. But I just I just thought of like, well, Sasquatches are real. They're like, oh, they are real. They're like, Oh, they'll never like me. Something about this feels really sad. That does feel sad because at least, like you know, if the unicorn's a dick, even if I hang out around him, like he's gonna be a dick the whole time. But maybe he's gonna be entertaining. That, that's fair. But I just feel like the Sasquatches would just be like like hipster Sasquatches and be like, no, we're no, we're never. This is never gonna work. Go away. Like they, they're like a high school clique. Like, oh, there's the Squatches again over there. <laughs> so anyway, so you'd rather that unicorns were real and dicks? Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Last one. The, um, a lifetime supply of pizza, but always has one topping you don't like. Or every time you bite into a pizza roll, it slightly burns your tongue or the roof of your mouth. Like, and and I pitched this one to Mary, and she's like, "Well, you could take multiple bites of a pizza roll." I'm like, "That's fair." So, but that first initial bite of a pizza roll will always slightly burn either the roof of your mouth or you know your tongue. All right. Well, here's a secret about me. I don't bite pizza rolls. I throw them in whole oh, pizza rolls. They're bite size. But, but like, then you still bite into it, though. On the roof of your mouth is fair game. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, with... I guess if you just swallowed it like a snake, that would circumnavigate that. Does anybody eat, like, fun-sized Snickers? Like, like do they take bites out of that? No, they're they're they're, they're bite size. <laughs> so I throw up a whole... Uh, uh, pizza roll in my mouth at a time um so here's the thing about the oh god so 
All right. One of the greatest sins I think that's ever been committed to food ever is somebody putting uh, pineapple on pizza. Yeah, come after me. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, I like I like of all the things that's going on in the world right now, like, like everybody getting just all these scandals breaking. You're going to be like, I like pineapple. And all of a sudden, like the Internet's just going to explode. And be like, what's wrong with you? you know? Well, I don't like pineapple. I'm actually. sorry. You, yeah, yeah, you don't like pineapple. Um, what's terrible about pineapple, too, is, is that it contaminates the rest of the pizza like even if you pick pineapple off you <laughs> still taste pineapple um I, uh. that's fair because I, I, I when i pitched this question to mary she, i was like you know there's some toppings you can pick off and she's like yeah but uh, that is one that like once it's on there like, you can't un, you can't undo you can't that. undo that wrong because i do not like black olives but i feel like you could take them off pretty successfully and I'm not a mushroom guy either. Like I feel like I could take that off without affecting. You know? See, I can eat. I don't like mushrooms. I can eat them on a pizza if they're on like a supreme because they just sort of like, I don't know, their blandness kind of blends into the rest of the pizza. And you don't really notice it unless you bite into a juicy piece of a mushroom. Yeah, uh, mushrooms are just like they're just trash plants. I yeah. don't care. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I don't. I'm sure I'm fine with it if someone like I've had people sneak mushrooms into food just to mess with me. I don't have an allergy. It's like if there's only one food that I just have a personal grudge against, I just the idea of a mushroom is disgusting to me that they grow like on dead logs and sides of rocks. And it's like, I don't want that in my mouth. And everyone would be like, do you realize the rest of the stuff? Like, I'm not going to talk about the rest of that stuff. Just <laughs> mushrooms are they're They no. So, yeah, you heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. He's taking a stand against yeah, mushrooms. you do like pineapple. I don't like mushrooms. So if someone orders that pizza with just those things, we're just we're, we're going to let it rot. Yeah. And the mushrooms will grow on it, you know. So anyway. So I guess if I have to answer, I, I guess I learned to bite into <laughs> uh, pizza rolls. Because, I mean, it's a good thought by Mary, but I just that, that's never even occurred to me to be like, oh, I'm going to bite this pizza roll. I just throw them in my mouth all. Well, I, I make it sound that. like I'm Jabba the Hutt. Like, <laughs> bring me more pizza rolls. Oh, wait. I, I have one more question. I forgot about this. All, all right, right. So this last one. Uh, either you have to moderate a Star Wars erotic fan fiction group, or you have to moderate the comments on any Yahoo news story about politics. Oh... <laughs> I feel like the politics might be preferable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been oh. by moderate. I think there's going to be a little bit of quality control or a little bit of like, you know, you can't do that. I think you have to act actively read some erotic Star Wars fan fiction versus just the, 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 the caps, the swearing and horrible words that come out of people's mouths when it comes to a comment section on it, like any, any political news story. I mean, I don't actively read a lot of fan fiction um, and I am not a, a I'm not a grammar Nazi in the, in the sense that, like, I will attack people when they're like, oh, there and there. Or, you know, it, it bugs me, but I don't say anything. Um, You're so kind. I know I've been writing this blog post recently, and I've been trying to catch stuff as I mess them up. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm human. I err as well. Um, but then I've seen some fan fiction where it's like a paragraph that's literally a run-on sentence. Or... <laughs> Um, you know, well, when somebody this fantasy, you, you use punctuation. It's like, it's like at some points, uh, some people also like, are just like, oh, I don't need to capitalize the first letter of every word or of, uh, every sentence. No, you do. It's oh, kind of a thing. Um, no. so that would bug me. And then, you know, like, would it bug you more that it's erotic or would it bug you that it doesn't really fit canon? Would that bug you more where it's like, listen, listen, I don't care if they're doing it, but these two characters would never interact with each other. Is that kind of what that would be? No. So, <laughs> okay. So, A, like, I'm not a huge canon guy in the sense that, like, 
I can take it or leave it. Um, and that's that's kind of my approach with comic books as well. I'm never going to be the guy who's going to be like reading a comic book and be like, I'm in issue 427. Uh, Batman pulled out uh, his uh, bat shark spray, uh, but in this issue he used it on. You know, no, that's not going to be me. Um, that was my nerd impression. <laughs> um, I like it. No, it's effective. That it's was a, the that, cricket. That, that is the that is the, the the nerd voice everybody has. Yeah. So that, that is midnight midnight release GameStop <laughs> voice. You know? But I, I'm you know so outside of like if I read a comic book in the Star Wars universe and I don't feel like it fits canon or whatever, I, I don't think about it. Like I'm just like all right, I didn't like that. It didn't fit. Um, when it comes to erotica, I mean, I don't read a lot of it, so <laughs> I don't, but I don't have anything against it either. But I will say that there probably would be a thing in me that would be like, there's no way that, you know, the Boba force, Fett the force and Lobot, don't work like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like just bad pairings, like, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I see you're going to start calling names on. I'll mm. be like, it'd be like Greedo and Han Solo and who shot first. <laughs> right. You know, uh, I don't want to think about it. Uh, uh, no. Anyway. Everyone knows Dengar and Boskar couple, not Lobot and <laughs> Dengar. No, yeah. I... So, yeah. What's Darth Helmet doing here? This is stupid. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. All right. So, sounds like you would rather at least like deal with that versus the, the actual internet, which I don't blame you. So, yeah. Um, all right, so yeah, that's gonna that, that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you, Steve, for stopping by talking about some Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. I feel like that was a really good movie uh, for your love of like horror and slashers to, to talk about and how weird it is. Uh, like I said, next week these are going to be Creepshow Two or Halloween Three, one or the other. Um, I'll let you guys know. Again, follow us on Facebook uh, and rate us on all the social media that or not social media where you get your podcasts at. Um, but yeah, again, thank you for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs>